Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. We're back with the news and, um, well, some analysis, to be honest, because I spent quite a lot of time listening to another of... uh, famous by now you go to get against two hour interviews where he speaks about the situation in the front lines the general strategic advantage that the russians have and all that good stuff and there are a couple of things that um that i would like to talk about here because on the front lines themselves well not that much has happened there's something that the people in the business call an operational pause so that the Russian side, after conquering most of Luhansk region, have basically taken a pause themselves, and kind of the initiative now is on the Ukrainians, although we still expect this super famous and everywhere mentioned battle for initiative, which is going to happen after this pause is over. But to, to start about, you know, these reasons and I'm I'm sorry for being a bit slower than usual it's just that you know I listened to all this all this analysis and everything and it was mostly about mostly about what Girkin actually believes and what these people uh, who actually are super pro war in Russia you know what do they believe cuz in this interview he answered a bunch of questions and one of the questions struck a nerve struck a struck a huge nerve there and Girkin really pushed out something that he hasn't. He went on a triad for about 15 minutes explaining what he thinks Ukrainian army fights against and what the Ukrainians actually do and everything. But we'll leave this to the end of the episode because, well, there are some interesting news and especially about the HIMARS. HIMARS and, um, well, some very interesting statements from Russian Gosduma. But let's let's start out with the heavy artillery here, the literal heavy artillery, HIMARS, and their effectiveness. Well, we don't even need to kind of look at what Ukrainians say and how grateful they are, because we have uh, plenty of sources, and again, this is uh, thanks to wartranslator.com. Go visit that site, go uh, and, you know, support Dmitry as well. And the Russian side is super worried about these, these vehicles, these rocket artillery pieces, because they seem to be overwhelming Russian anti, anti-missile defenses. And I have two statements here that show 
how much how how effective these high Mars devices actually are. And the first one comes from um, Igor Girkin himself. He posted this uh, today on the 10th of July, 12:28 p.m. Quote: Today at 5 a.m. and again 10 a.m., the enemy carried out powerful missile strikes in Kherson. A day before, similar strikes were carried out at Novohodovska hydropower plant. And a bit later he posted, the enemy continues with powerful missile strikes in Donbass. Most likely, the Russian air defenses, which previously relatively, quite relatively, he states, coped with the attacks of Tochka U and Uragan, turned out largely ineffective against massive strikes of HIMARS missiles. I mean, this is why, if you follow the news, you'll see a lot of... Um, meme posts on Twitter and Reddit and everywhere where people are saying they love HIMARS and I love them too. We really should deliver more of them to Ukraine. Heading on. Today once again burning and detonating is Shakhtyorsk. It's much worse than last time. In the past five to seven days over 10 large artillery and art other munition stockpiles were hit, several oil depots, around 10 command points and roughly as many personal locations in, in our near and far rears, in addition to several air defense and artillery positions. This resulted in large losses in personnel and equipment. And uh, here he adds his own comment. P.S. I'm not writing this to inform Ukrs. Ukrainians, that's how he calls them, you know, that's what orcs do. And I'll explain why I have now switched to calling Russian side orcs about the effectiveness of their strikes. They know it better and earlier than me, and not to gloat, which all kinds of pseudo-patriotic scum accuses me of. But to ask one single question, and here in all caps, when, we, when will we, the Russian Federation Armed Forces, start fighting with full force? i.e. when will the destructive strikes be carried out at the transport system of the so-called Ukraine, using which all these HIMARS 777s, Caesars and ammunitions for them are safely brought unhindered to the combat zone. Asking for maximum repost. I don't need it. I am not yet in the danger of enemy missile strike. But Girkin here is not the only one. There is also a, a Luhansk blogger and volunteer, Murz, who talks about the uh, ammunition depot explosions in Stahanov and, and recaps Kremlin's moronic strategy, as he calls it, in this so-called special military operation. He's known as, uh, you know, he's known as King Tiger on LiveJournal, although, you know, he accuses Ukraine of being Nazis and everything, but he uses King Tiger as his slogan. At any rate, this is just amazing, because, well, uh, previously, the Russian side had yelled that, oh, we've destroyed two HIMARS and everything, they're trying some copium here, because HIMARS is proving to be extremely efficient. Like, this is the most valuable tool Ukraine has right now, and I'll, I'll get to this on the next segment after I finish this, because HIMARS have been proven to be super effective, and Russian propaganda are just even sprouting fake videos that they've destroyed some, because this thing truly brings the fear to the Russians. However, let's talk about Moors or King Tiger, this pro-Russian blogger, and how he speaks about all the situation. Quote, I have not yet seen on the internet where it exactly happened, but apparently in Stakhanov last night, the Ukrainians shelled another Russian artillery ammunition depot. Which one is it? Sixth or seventh after Krasny Luch? 
As it started exploding at 2 a.m., it kept exploding until it all exploded by 4 a.m. With glow and all other delights. What can be said? Let's briefly summarize the logic of our top leadership of the Russian Federation Armed Forces. February to March. While having an overwhelming superiority over the enemy in modern armored vehicles, drive in as many of these vehicles and special equipment into the depth of enemy positions, without any support by combat ready and motivated motorized infantry. Move back and forth the unprotected rear columns and lose them. Lose in the end as destroyed and abandoned the overwhelming majority of modern T-72s and T-90 models. Lose a large part of the BMP-3 fleet. As a result of all of this, lose capability to lead massive operations at great depths. Drag out the war. April-June. While killing battalions of PMCs, so-called Barsiks, Akhmatoks and Kadyrov's troops, and of course Luhansk and Donetsk people, slowly and painfully realized that this is necessary to establish coordination between infantry and artillery, invent from scratch all the bicycles of the First and Second World Wars on this topic. Start slowly and painfully, with insane casualties, to win the war. At least in this way. June, July. Despite the absence of any military secrecy around supplies to Ukraine of modern long-range artillery and MLRS, continue concentrating artillery ammunitions at large and unfit-for-purpose industrial facilities in the range of reach by the enemy rockets and artillery. Lose one by one all the depots. As a result, lose the ability to properly advance at least the way they were advancing before. Create out of nowhere a wild shell hunger in conditions where the enemy, the Ukrainians in this case because he's a very pro-Russian guy, has received and trained on those new artillery systems and MLRS. Result. I know that our army is led by a bunch of untrained morons. Stupidity, vile, miserable, vindicative, pity, thieving, herdish, getting together as a big army mafias bringing tithe from their incomes to the very top. Simply dumb and stupid thieves. Just as the th civilian authority, not much difference. And the morons themselves start figuring this one out. The fact that they are morons. And of course, that they were all, after all stealing from themselves. Stealing their own future. But no one can be convinced that there is no direct telegraph from Tsarskoye Tsar Shelo to Kaiser Wilhelm, using which Rasputin reports to Kaiser about the whole situation and sends fresh operative maps. No one can be convinced. There isn't such a number of fools who'd believe this, and there will be no time or capability to realize it through practical experience. Wonderful living historical anecdotes. If I didn't live in all of this, I wouldn't believe it even if I was told. An obvious showing on how insignificant was the contribution of the Bolsheviks to the success of revolution, compared to the input of the Tsarist government. Nikolai II and his ministers and generals were the basis of February 1st, and then the October. Better than a textbook. Go outside and, went outside and listened all night. It is still exploding periodically. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Those seashells wish evil to a ship, woodworms to a tree, tapeworms to a bowl. They just take care of themselves and their offspring. But one, one great day, the ship sinks, the oak falls, the bull dies, and we start looking for a horrific co- conspiracy. Now, this whole thing brings us to some interesting, interesting situations and, and, and questions. Because, you know, these people, although they're very pro-Russian, I've gotten a lot of questions from you about, you know... If they're pro-Russian, why are they so pessimistic? Why do they hate Putin's government so much? And why why do they hate Ukraine then if they obviously, by what they say, don't like Putin's government? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Putin's government, according to them, cooperates with the West and is a part of this liberal fascist mafia. And I'm not joking here. I mean, I remember that when I was starting to talk about this at the beginning of this war... People were telling me, you know, it can't be true that Russia lies all the time. Answer, yes, it is true. They they do lie all the time. That's how they work. That is how their honor works. You just don't believe what Russia says. Never. If you want to get a compromise here, you're not going to get it. This is a government built upon lies and deception and treated as an honorable thing. They are not businessmen. They're completely unlike Western Europeans and Americans. They're totally different type of people. This is how it operates, and they—they—they're—they're they're all stuck in this—this whole—this whole, I don't know, delusional thing here. Because, you know, in this interview that I listened with, um, with Girkin, and here, here I get to a, some heavy subjects. And if you're listening with kids, this would be the time when uh, you know send the children away because this is going to get into a very dark territory very soon. That again, this is the eastern border. So what did you expect? But um. Girkin got asked this question that pierced through his kind of very cold skin, and he stated that he doesn't want to go away from Russia because he's been declared a terrorist and a and a war criminal everywhere outside it, and he'll go to Hague instantly, and for good reason, mind you, because you know he doesn't take any responsibility. He still thinks that Ukrainian planes shot down the MH17 plane, although it's been proven literally with documents that he did it, but. He made a quote about why why Ukrainians are fighting. He was asked this. And he stated that Ukrainians are fighting so that they can become prostitutes of all types. And and this is the direct quote. He also stated that um, Ukrainians are being brainwashed so they fight so that their daughters can be lesbians and, and their sons can be gay and that the Europeans can use them as prostitutes and they can become literal prostitutes all the time. He also, by the way, mentioned how if you smoke weed, you should be shot dead. But that's from the Soviet era of extreme, extreme phobia of all sorts of drugs. But um, yeah, he he established a death penalty for smoking weed as well. But this is just the source of this attitude. They hate Putin's government, these pro-war people. They hate him, but they hate him for being too liberal, too Western friendly. Because for them, living in absolute destitute poverty... Uh, ruining their own country, invading Ukraine, doing this war, everything, that's still better than living in a Western society. You have to understand that. And that is true for a majority of, of Russia's people. And I'm not even kidding here. Sure, it's not 80%, definitely not 80%, but definitely more than 50% of Russia clearly believe the very same thing. Otherwise, we would see some 
some other things happening here. They have uh, they have been, you know, somehow either fed or still believe or just have understood the thing about the West that is a uh, stuff from nightmares. They truly believe that in the West, people are being forced, you know, to be uh, to change their gender, to be gay or something. That we're all fascists. That you literally can't walk outside on the street. And, you know, the evil gays will beat you up and, you know, laugh at you and destroy you. All this sort of nonsense. They truly believe this. And also, they look at this, this whole, you know, non-totalitarian stuff, these individual liberties, as something truly evil, something to be destroyed. They are not fascists because, you know, they hate one nation or other nation. They're fascists because they truly believe that their sort of way of looking at the world is the best one. And universal liberties and everything that doesn't belong to Mother Russia, where they can be the greatest, is bad. And I'm serious when I say that they would rather live in absolute destitute poverty. They don't care. Igor Girkin has always stated that in this war, he fights against, he, he hates his own government because it's too liberal and too pro-Western. Because he thinks Putin is too pro-Western. But... The very idea, and he always uses these sexual things. It's not the only one. He also says this about, you know, uh, free trade and everything. Because he obviously believes mercantilism and utter absolute hardcore state control over what you can do, what you can't do, what you can purchase, what you can't purchase, is also in the books. It's just that he uses the sexuality thing as number one thing. That alone, you know, shows me that he's he has some repressed issues, but that's his number one thing. They are people who literally... And I mean literally hate liberties of other people. They want to get into your lives and tell you what to do. And it always puzzles me because he really thinks that everyone in the West is a rotten degenerate scum. Meanwhile, somehow he um, acknowledges that NATO could probably win Russia at the time. However, he also is, seems to be, you know, very racist against Ukrainians. Because Girkin constantly says that, um, you know, he suspects heavily that it's not just HIMARS systems that Ukrainians are getting. No, he suspects that there are Ukraine, there are NATO generals there, there are NATO officers, and that right now he even stated that there are NATO squads going with the weapons because Ukrainians themselves couldn't even, you know, do such damage as they have been doing with, with HIMARS. HIMARS alone, all the systems are, they're like a massive cope mechanism right now. They've, they've turned into this. Russian propaganda is just blatantly blasting away about HIMARS and, and just screaming about it from every orifice. It's going a bit crazy. But yeah, to understand this, you really have to, under, you really have to look at them and without, without any exaggeration or anything as people who hate freedom. I'm not even kidding here. They hate all this... They hate all of this that they don't understand. That they don't understand it because they've stuck to this Soviet mindset. And this is why, when I was in my Latvian podcast, I tried to explain why our country needs to get away from this. They're stuck to this idea that, you know, it's okay that your store has only one type of sausage and you can't get it all the time. But at least your son can't be gay because if he'll be gay, he'll go to prison. And that's definitely better. Like, they, these are the people who literally think that this is better, and this is the future that they wish, not only for Ukraine, but also for their own kids. They wish for a bleak future with a totalitarian government, and, and at some point they state that then they'll live better. Although they kind of ignore all the economical aspects of living better, 
they don't care that people might not have good quality food. They don't really care about the corruption. They, they don't care about that as long as, you know, their, their values are being, being uh, hold, held on to. And it's a bizarre situation there because, and it might seem weird to, to my Western audiences because they, they truly rather tell you that you can only eat this one certain type of ice cream and not on the other kind because their motherland doesn't produce any and they'd be okay with it. And then they want to take your stuff and enforce this to everyone else. This is also the reason why they believe this war is justified. To save Ukraine from the evil West, we're going to eat up their truly Russian soul because there are no Ukrainians, they're all just Russians. They're advertising their ethnocide. Ethnocide is a cool word for ethnic genocide, by the way. And at the same time, people in the Gosduma have been recently spouting about how, well, Alaska should be taken away from the United States of America. No, seriously. It's been going about, and even some, some ministry officials have been, have been talking about this, since they consider that, well, after we take Ukraine, we should definitely take Alaska. And they've, they've been, like, even post, putting up posters. I posted this on Twitter. You should definitely follow me on Twitter, at eastern underscore border, for this. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they are now actively posting on their propaganda. They're actually fighting against NATO because they can't understand. They cannot grasp the concepts. And like I said, majority of the brainwashed population can't also. And for them, this is normal. And and now they just claim that they'll be able to take Alaska if they so wish. Now, I wonder if I have any listeners in Alaska. I probably do. And if you are from Alaska or have been there or have some ties to that, please let me know how easy it would be for Russia to take over Alaska. But yeah, taking over Alaska and just destroying any civil liberties humanly possible. And like I said, they just focus on the sexual stuff. It's by no means, by no means the most important stuff out there, but certainly exists. And they try to push it in every possible thing. It gets kind of weird because we're talking here about people whose values are totally different from anyone else's. But yeah. Tomorrow I'll be recording a longer episode about the recruitment in prisons and how how uh, the prisons over there are in Russia are way worse than, you know, going to die in a war. So that's going to be a fun one. And um, yeah, that's about it for today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Now I'd like to say that please, please follow me on Twitter at Eastern underscore border. Post a lot of good stuff there. Secondly, we have come to an agreement and we will have site we already have it it's just that i haven't posted this on my website but it exists uh i'll I'll post this on twitter if you follow me on twitter i'll post this one again where you can get our mugs and 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 keychains and all this stuff except t-shirts we don't have t-shirts as of yet but they'll they'll come soon and we'll add this to the web page as well and also by the web page please if you want to listen to this episode without ads or any future episodes without ads you can either become our patron or go to the easternborder.lv and you know listen from there and if you want to support the show, you can always click on the donate button on our webpage or just become a patron on patreon.com slash border. Your help is very much appreciated. And of course, donate to Ukrainian charities. My favorite one is comebackalive.ua. And, well, as always, hope you enjoyed the show. До свидания, товарищи. And remember, happiness is mandatory. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.